0: Hello, professional property managers. Andrew Smallwood here. Uh, I'm so excited for Sue to be here. Here's what's so funny about this. Earlier this year, Sue came across my awareness uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, that Second Nature has been implementing EOS. And I had heard that Sue is like just this legendary EOS implementer. She's one of just the most sought after, you know, consultants in the country. And that good, good friends of mine, uh, like John Bergoff, who many of you know, the founder of Exchange, had hired Sue. They partnered with Sue to implement EOS in their organization. Uh, the Front Row Foundation, which is a charity that many of you are familiar with and, and fond of, has also worked with Sue and leveraged her expertise. And then I see that Sue is keynoting the event like for EOS implementers. Uh, in Houston, Texas, there were like thousands of people registered for this conference, and she's the freaking keynote. Like the closing keynote is amazing. Uh, so all that to say, all of this was happening. I'm like, man, I gotta reach out to Sue and connect with Sue. And then Brad Larson brings her. On. I see this like Facebook live. I'm like, there she is again. Uh, and it turns out she's keynoting at PMMCon. So we got to meet at PMMCon. We snapped a photo and a t- bunch of friends. And man, I, I knew Sue's expertise because her reputation preceded her in that respect but just in my couple of conversations interacting with her um, i could really tell she was just a great person a great human being a great person to just have a conversation with Uh, you know just somebody you get a really good vibe from and you can tell they come from a place of really wanting to help others first they're generous with their talents their expertise and that's why she's here today um, to be with you all. so we're we're so thankful, Sue, that you're here that you you're sharing a part of your life with us today on a Monday. and uh, we're excited to get into it with you. so let's let's get it going.
1: Well, thanks, and thanks for having me here. I'm thrilled to be here, and you are my first and only person I've met from exchange in person. So that's cool.
0: <laughs> that's the kind of year it's been. That's right. Um, year and a half at this point. So, so i don't want to leave anybody behind here Uh, we actually we got an email back we got one email back that was the most hilarious email to a registration email i've ever gotten and it said hey maybe maybe i would have registered if i didn't see all these freaking acronyms. lx there's eos there's Narpm. there's anyway we're going to leave most of the acronyms aside but EOS, and and for somebody who's not familiar with it, can you give us a little bit of a high level here so they can follow along in the conversation and know what we're talking about as we get into the details um, with everybody else who is familiar?
1: Yep. EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System, and it's literally an operating system to help you run a better business so you can get more of what you want from your business. So it's supposed to simplify it, which I believe it does. And if you think about like iOS in your Apple products or um, Intel inside Microsoft, in the same way you don't give them a second thought, but they make everything you put in them more effective, that's how EOS works in your business. You have to learn the lingo, so thank you. Sorry for acronyms, there are a lot. Um, But it does simplify your world in time.
0: So, entrepreneurial operating system, and you know, we just recorded a podcast with Matt Whitaker, who's a big believer in EOS. And you know, he used a terminology like the things that you're working on and your meeting cadence, you know, the issues that you're solving as a team, um, all these different kinds of critical questions to have clarity on across the organization. Everything's got its cubbyhole with EOS. Could could you break down for us, hey? You talk about like the six different elements of EOS uh, and, and what those are and a little bit about why each is important. And then we're going to pick a couple based on some poll results to dive a little deeper into.
1: Can I use my IPvo and do a little exchange here?
0: <laughs> always welcome here.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um- All right, so EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, is really comprised of six key components. So if you took a big circle and you put your business in the middle, um, everything's designed around that, right? And so these six key components are the vision component, and the vision component at a high level is just where you're going, and how you're going to get there, and getting your entire team on the same page with that. And if you have two people, that's two of two. If you have 200, it's 200 of 200. The people component is the second one, and this is your time hog. This is where we all get frustrated because people talk and think. And I like to say business is easy, people are complicated. And so how do you get your definition of what great means to align to that vision? So that's the second key component. The third key component's the data component. And data is really getting a handful of key numbers that tell you your business is healthy. So you have a pulse on the health of your company every single week. And when these three key components are crystal clear. It produces an open, honest, transparent organization that flushes up every obstacle, barrier, and impurity. We call those issues. Issues are not always negative, they can also be ideas and opportunities. So I like to say to people, you know, it's just an issue. We use that phrase a lot because we get so emotionally wrapped about it. But your success depends on how effective you are at solving issues before they become problems the first time they come up. And that's, epidemically, a problem in most small businesses. The fifth key component's the process component. This one, overarchingly, is the easiest one to understand, and it's the one most entrepreneurs will avoid, like the plague, because we want to get things documented so that you you are systemized, not bureaucratized. So it's a handful, again, of core processes for your business model so that we can create consistency, flexibility, fun, and peace, and gain you the rewards that you're seeking, including sale, if that's what you're looking for. And then the last key component is the traction component. And this is all about the discipline, focus, and accountability to execute on your vision all the way throughout your organization, ensuring that everyone is doing their part to get that vision landed in the organization. And that's the six key components. That's what the model itself looks like, and it's customized to everyone's business. And for each of these, just so you understand from an overview um, perspective. The the each of these has two tools or what I would call disciplines. So there's 12 tools in the toolkit to give you that basic starter set. There's 20 total. So it's not a complex thing. It's simple. But as we were, you know, talking prior, Andrew, it's not second nature yet.
0: <laughs> simple, but not second nature yet. I like that. Uh, well done, Sue. Well done. <laughs> got a kiss. Up Thank to you for laying that out. <laughs> 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 so we've got these six elements and we shared these Sue in a poll beforehand. We also had some people just directly give us feedback on, you know, what areas might we focus on in our conversation today? And there's a couple of questions I'd love to, to pluck out and prompt you on your expertise to go deeper on and, Again, if you're here with us today, we'd love for you to put in the chat what kinds of questions you would love to get clarity on and depth on. So I'm just gonna keep encouraging you throughout the event to do that uh, and to participate in that way. Here's where we'd like to start, Sue. One of the big questions was people. And, and you mentioned, hey, that's where so much of people's time goes. And we've got a lot of people on this call that are either the broker or owner of their property management business or they're a department leader, they're they're responsible for an entire function of the business. And even for people who don't have a lot of people reporting to them, they do have to work cross-functionally, you know, across across the way with other people. And so, you know, one of the questions I would ask is, what do you feel like is one of the keys to really holding people accountable in a business? Um, You know, where do you feel like people get Stuck with that and figuring out how to work with others in a way where they feel a strong sense of accountability?
1: So it's a great question, and it's why a lot of people start EOS. So it's a great starting point, Andrew. Thank you. Um, I would tell you it's all in the system. The system is a set of tools. And so, number one, accountability is a result. It's not something you can hold people to. So I always say even that phrase that we're all so familiar with is misleading because great leadership and great management results in accountability. So when you think accountability, the first place we start is with the leadership team and we say, look in the mirror. How are you doing in having clear expectations, number one? Are you on exactly the same page with your people? In other words, what you think is supposed to happen is exactly what they think is supposed to happen, or is it close or sort of? Because every degree of variability is going to affect how effective you are. The next thing is, are you measuring the right things? So The data component comes in here because accountability to what we do is very black and white. It's numbers, it's expectations, it's are we on track with the right activities that have the business thrive? And we always put our focus on what's best for the business. And then there's another kind of accountability which actually is most neglected by leaders, and I would tell you it's absolutely the thing that gets in the way, and that is behavioral accountability, meaning we aren't maintaining the rules of agreement for a healthy culture, which is your core values operating day in, day out through every single human being. And as leaders, that's where we fail far more often than in the, you didn't get your rocks done, which are 90-day priorities. You didn't hit your numbers this week. That's easy. That's table stakes to be a leader. But really, where leadership comes in is, hey, you know how that conversation just went between you and another employee or between you and a client or with me or with someone else on the team? That doesn't align with how we agreed to behave. And those conversations are the ones most of us are a little wimpy about. And so strengthening how we enter the danger in Patrick Lencioni language, um, but really have some of those more emotional intelligence-based um, crucial conversations kind of things, radical candor, all of these kinds of conversations are what we push people toward. When we can get the, the team healthy, accountability suddenly shows up and some people will leave you. I will tell you, if you're doing EOS well, 10 to 40% of the people employed will either readjust, realign themselves, or exit. So let that scare you on the front end just a little.
0: <laughs> I think I think some people just imagined if thirty percent of my team left today, would that <laughs> would that really feel healthy in the moment? Uh, you know, but <laughs> having the courage to have these conversations with people that really get the business aligned and all the people aligned, rowing in the same direction. You, you see it so much in small businesses, but big, big businesses as well. Is that you know just a lack of Focus and a lack of alignment of everybody running d- different directions is—it's the death knell of so many businesses uh, that that have such great potential. Um, so, so I love what you shared there, Sue, of clear expectations and measuring the right things. And you talked about accountability. You know, one of the big things that people get locked into is rocks uh, with, with EOS, and you know, I have some questions for you of. You know, how can you tell like there's there's questions of, all right, is the rock like, hey, it's my day to day and just the most important thing. Is it the most important thing that I'm doing to work on the business to make the business better on top of the regular things that I'm doing? How do you define rocks and knowing that you're picking the right rocks to focus on?
1: So, great question again, Andrew. I, I love when people who do EOS are asking the questions because you know where the pitfalls are. And so, rocks again, for those of you who may or may not be familiar with Stephen Covey's work, he's the person who popularized this. Vern Harnish is the originator of this theory. But it, there's a whole lot of psychological research that says, you know, a 90 day priority is about all we can handle mentally. Now, when you've deployed all the tools, what's really important is it's predicated on a plan. And so, rocks are the answer is yes to all of what you asked because you look at and do a long term plan, which is what we call a 10 year target, which means it can be five years or more out. Then you do a three year picture and then you do a one year plan. Until you've done that work, and we do it backwards, you cannot set rocks because you're setting them in a void. You're just saying, here's some important stuff. And so you set your rocks based on what your one-year plan is, and that's taking a one-year goal, set of goals, and moving them to four quarterly set of priorities. So linking that, those can be things that move the needle for your company. typically is not your day-in, day-out routine stuff. However, I always say, if it's a priority, like if you were in an IT position and it was rolling out a new system, whether that's an ERP or a CRM or something, you know, more acronyms, but your database was changing, whatever it might be, if you were doing that and it was being implemented, that can be part of your job and a priority, but it's a game changer for the business. And so what I like to tell people is they're overarching priorities that are gonna be a time hog for you. Things that you have to dedicate You know, focused attention to, to ensure it gets done because the business is depending on it. Your team is depending on it. You are depending on it. And so it also could be professional development. Maybe I have skills I need to attain. That can be a rock because it's making me better. And theoretically, if I get better, the business does better. But it also can be, if we are hitting a revenue slump, I just got off the phone with a client in roofing, And I have one roofing client in Denver who's doing poorly because they're storm chasers and there's been no storms for two years. And a business predicated on weather is not ideal. Hello to friends in Seattle. Um, The other side of it is I have a roofer in Michigan, the one I just talked to. They're up about 14% 14% to date, and they're up about 50% for la- from last year, and that was their best year yet. So, you know, that's where we have to look up and say, oh, the company in Denver has to be saying, my rocks look radically different, even though we're in the same business, because our priorities are different, and there's revenue generating that we have to look at, including reevaluating the business model.
0: Hmm.
1: that makes sense so
0: great it does no that that's really great and there's actually a follow-up question I want to go ahead and take now because we're talking about rocks it's from Scott Abernathy you might see it in the chat too hmm. um, but the, the question is I'm reading it here I would summarize as you know when there's multiple people on the team like a good a good thing to cover would be how many rocks should one person have yep. at any one time and what's the process for developing and defining those who decides ultimately, you know, what the rock is and who owns it.
1: Great question. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Andrew. So ideally your leadership team, and please hear this over time and with practice, the ultimate end game, I'm going to give you that. And then I'm going to back up the bus. So ideally you've set this elaborate plan. It's very specific and the leadership team sets the company rocks because we have two kinds of rocks. We have company rocks and we have individual rocks. Those are the names. So, company rocks go directly to that one-year plan. Individual rocks are different because they may pertain to one team and one team only. Think of the cross-functionality as more the company rock. The individuals might be more germane to one group within your company or one team or one person. Totally okay. We call all of that individual. All of them should improve or lend. Probably 80% of them go straight to the one-year plan when you're a mature EOS company. When you first start out, it's different because the leadership team sets these big rocks that many people contribute to. So the company rocks are things that might take 10 people's input or three people's input. Those then cascade to that next level of management or teammate that would then contribute to those rocks. I will tell you in the beginning, no one does this well, leader or otherwise. But once the leadership team gets good at them and not until do they start having other people have rocks and they start coaching and helping them do it? Because it takes about, and I don't know what your experience was, Andrew, it usually takes people between six months and a year, three sets-ish, three times of setting these before they write them really well. And you shouldn't teach others to do what you're not doing great yet. It's kind of the blind leading the blind scenario. And so what I like to say is, You know, be very conscious, but in the beginning, Scott, you will set them with your people. I always say do it with them, but you come in with your ideas. But I always say make them think. Say, what do you think would lend to this so that there's a conversation, not a dictation, not you will do this rock? Do you guide it more in the beginning than less? Yeah, you do. Typically, you have to help people start to do this because. Often the reason we're doing EOS in the first place is we don't we aren't building effective managers and leaders who can come in and take our position, so that's part of what's baked into this. The numbers and the way that r- works, Andrew, is the leadership team can have up to seven rocks, never more. Three to seven is what we say. I will tell you my teams who have three do better than the teams who have seven. But when you have rocks, think of them as your future work. So rocks of today ensure the future health of the company. The things you're doing today were rocks yesterday. And so that's how we take a bite of the future elephant while we still have a job to do today and we, we don't get overcommitted. For anyone not on the leadership team, one to three rocks and that is it one is plenty because typically the people who are not on the leadership team are making the business happen so you don't want to flood them with a ton of rocks hmm. it's the single biggest Less is thing more you can make yes
0: <laughs> that's great and as a follow-up to this sue you know let's say someone's presenting a rock you know and they they've been thinking through it or you're the manager, you're helping them think through it. You know, how can you tell if a rock is, whether you use a smart framework or another framework, like w- what are the things you would look for to say, this is ready, this is fully baked. We're ready to just go execute versus this rock is a little spongy right now. <laughs> <And> <laughs> we, need, we need to toughen this one up and think a little more through it. otherwise we're going to get caught in the middle of this quarter and find ourselves not having anticipated all the things that would go into like how how do you what do you look for what are the signals as a leader you'd be looking for there
1: so we absolutely use the smart framework so i would tell you specific measurable attainable realistic and time bound so timely is always by the time of your next quarterly because EOS is a 90-day system, so it's by the next time we're going to work on the business. The second thing I would say is you do this in a team framework always. You never set rocks alone. Because everybody, walking away as soon as you write it, everybody co-signs the deal. So even though they're your rocks and you're accountable for them, when I co-sign the deal, that's my teammate. So no different than in any sport, if you lose, I lose. It's a team game. So we have to be able to say, hey, I understand exactly, Andrew, what you will be delivering. And in fact, I could tell you what outcome we're seeking and exactly what done looks like. And those are the exact questions I ask team. What does done look like? What outcome are you seeking? How would we know this happened? And when people can say that in concrete terms and you as someone who doesn't do what they do all day, can say, I understand, then you document it. And for us as certified and professional implementers, we developed a tool called a rock planner that makes you anchor it really concretely and actually map it out on a calendar and have a project map to it. Because really, truly most people, the biggest obstacle, which, you know, thank you for asking the question is, we're not very specific. And so when we get done, it's like, well, it's kind of done. I mean, you know, I did, I did improve that. And it was sort of what we were. And if you're talking like that, you didn't get the work done. So your feedback to one another is how do we make it more specific and measurable next time? You should be able to say, I know exactly what done looks like, even when it's not your job.
0: Mm, that's so great. You know, it reminds of our experience here at second nature i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'll, I'll share some of our experience if it's helpful for people of you know so many times i've seen a rock and thought i'll just use, i'll pick on myself like as i as i look at it, i'm like man that's really like a roll and not a rock you know it's it's like man that's gonna i'm gonna keep doing that into the next quarter in the next quarter i need to get specific about what's actually going to be achieved before the quarter is over so that we would know, to put in your words, that we know it's done. How do we know when it's done? The mm-hmm. way that we all could see and all could agree. And we're back where, where we started rocks, and these are the most important things to be accountable to. You know, Sue, is it important to get 100% of the rocks done? When, when you talk about, hey, I see some companies that do better with three as opposed to seven. Um, you know, what does what your experience tell you, having worked with dozens and dozens and dozens of companies of, man, once you accomplish the stock, then you have the right to work on another one and add another one in? Is it, you know, nope, you're working on three things simultaneously, but in this priority? I mean, how do you help your clients organize their thinking around that?
1: So the goal is 80% or better, which factors in, you can't control everything. You can't control other people. You can't control, Lord knows last year, there was a lot of shifting, right? And a pandemic is one of those extreme things. And we put more focus on redoing processes to make the adjustments necessary than anything, but barring a pandemic, you never add rocks mid-quarter. And when I say never, the exception to that rule is if some opportunity comes up mid-quarter and you're like, we have to do this, it's going to debilitate our company if we don't, or it's too great an opportunity, what you do is take a series of to-dos, which are one and done action items, until you get to your next quarterly so that you can really think through And one of the to-dos might be, I'm going to do a rough draft framework for what all the things we need to do to take this on, because it's usually an intervening kind of thing, which was a lot of what the pandemic was. As I said, you need your leadership team. You got to get in a war room. You got to get a whiteboard. You got to do some things. So 80% or better factors in everything. So when people say things... Um, making excuses, rationalizations, justifications, have stories or reasons. I'm always like, that's all factored in. We aren't expecting perfection. You're never going to hit that. But at 80% or better, with all of us striving for 100%, over time, you should get better at doing that. Um, Now, what didn't I ask in your answer in your question? Because you garbled just a little bit
0: Oh, I was either garbling or who knows what I was doing when trying to find a chat or swipe through here. But I think that's a great answer, Sue, to, you know, how you think, how, how you think through it and, and ultimately how you, you did. we'll be looking for more questions from the audience in the chat here. Uh, nice. But I yeah. want to, actually, there are a couple things yeah. in the chat.
1: Mm. Let's, let's answer that oh, great. one. So how does this tighter. work?
0: This is a great one from Claire. Can you just read it out loud, Sue, and then answer it?
1: Absolutely. How does this work for a sole proprietor and you are the leadership and you are the team and already busy? So what I would tell you is you don't need someone like me, but the benefit of having what I call an accountability partner is how you leverage that. Um, So when you are it, this system can work, but it's so much work without additional help. So You might outsource things. You might automate things. You might let go of certain things. I always say the first thing you should do as a sole proprietor is get an accountability partner who you could meet with on a quarterly basis, who can ask things, because sometimes the best questions are the most naive and outside of your business. As your business grows and you add people, this starts to become more applicable. But you can apply rocks on your own. You just need that outside accountability, which is how I justify my existence, quite frankly, because leadership teams aren't always willing to bust each other, be accountable to one another, raise the intensity. In fact, that's some of the dynamic we start to level out because there are usually one or two strong personalities. They are the founders or the founder, and everyone's intimidated by them. So They don't often get a true leadership team. They get a leader with helpers. You just need help, So to me, it's look at doing the delegate and elevate tool, which is free and available to you online, get that sorted out, and all you're doing is categorizing all the things you do on a daily basis into four categories. One is things you love and are great at, things you like and are good at, things that you don't like but happen to be good at, that one stinks, and then things you don't like and are not good at. And the very best thing you can do is look at anything below that horizontal line and say, who, how, what could I do to reduce these lists? Because it's the stuff you procrastinate, it's the stuff that causes pain for you, it's the stuff that slows you down, and it's not your highest and best use, those upper two quadrants are. So how could you work to grow enough or gain enough capital That you can automate, outsource, um, let it go completely and say, that's just not as necessary as I'd like at this stage, or find another resource or a partnership or agreement to offset some of it. But the tools themselves, using rocks, using, you know, you don't have to have a meeting with yourself. But as soon as you get someone, you could have the quarterlies. And I I highly advocate a business coach, an accountability partner, um, a friend who will give you tough feedback so that they can say, here's what you said you'd do, here's where you're failing. Can you get help? What do you need? How do you do that? I hope that helps. Please let me know if it did not.
0: That's right. Claire and everyone else, just let us know if there's more you'd like to hear in the chat. And we'll keep it going. Um, I want to ask a follow-up question here, Sue, on this topic, which is whether you know whether somebody works you know solo in property management, or almost like a freelance property manager. Oftentimes, we find they have a network of contractors. Um, they're still interacting with people all the time, and these things you're teaching about how to communicate and holding, setting accountability of clear expectations, measuring things, getting on, can still be critical in the network like that. And the topic of delegation is one you were talking about and outsourcing, you know, what are a couple things, like what are a common, common pitfalls that you see, you know, with delegating and or with outsourcing where it causes people, you know, preventable pain? And, you know, how do you think of as a best practice of, you know, really moving through a delegation process so that people can can let go of certain things uh, and not let go of their business or not let go of the results that they're committed to achieving.
1: So you gave the answer in the question, which I love, Andrew. Um, having clear touch points on exactly what's expected, and when you delegate to someone, it's much more important what they hear than what you say. So, Number one, write it down. If you're someone who writes in paragraphs and you're talking to someone who writes in bullet points and listens in bullet points, know that you're mismatched right off the bat. So how do you summarize and synthesize it in a way that you can say, here's exactly what I expect in this period of time by this day? Most of us stink at this. I will tell you it's a vast majority of human beings don't feel bad if you are not a great delegator. The second thing you have to do is make sure this person has complementary skills to you, which I will tell you puts you at opposition communication-wise almost 100% of the time. So For me, I'm a high-level simplifying kind of person. The people around me are detail-oriented, complicating, multiplying kind of people. So when I come and give them information, they typically have 35 questions, which for my patient's level is difficult. I don't want to sit and talk through all of that. If I had those answers, I would have done it already. But what I have to let go of is the more I can give them and if I don't have it, I can say that, the better they will do and the happier I will be long term. And so delegation is that art of being crystal clear, having measurable outcomes. And then that dastardly thing you asked about earlier, am I willing to go toe-to-toe with someone? Not that you have to be, I always say we're hard on issues and soft on people, Can I go toe-to-toe and say, this is not what we agreed to, which you guys have to do all day, every day with tenants, right? Your job is filled with this. It's the exact same thing, but getting so specific and using that SMART methodology is a really good place to start to say, will I be happy when they come back with that? And if so, then it's specific terms of agreement. And the other mistake I see people make is, I'm a hands-off manager. I don't know about you guys, I have plenty of balls to juggle, so my thing is my door is always open, which is terrible management skills because they don't know what they don't know and I don't know what they don't know, so it's only a predictable bombshell that would cause us to talk, so I shouldn't be surprised. Now, if you're a manager who needs the loops to be closed all the time, and you might tend toward micromanagement, that doesn't work for highly independent, competent people either. It's the same collision point, like get out of my space. What you've got to establish upfront is, hey, Andrew, if you and I were going to do something, I would have to say, tell me how often you want to communicate. What makes you feel like you've got what you need, You can ask the questions that are coming up currently and that you're on track or off track and we would be in a good cadence. And you might say, in this 90-day period or this two-day period, I only need to talk to you once. And I might be like, oh my god, I need to talk to him five times. So we have to negotiate upfront so that I can just say, I really respect that. I think I'd like a little more conversation. Would it make you crazy if we did it three times? And then the onus is on me, the one who wants more information to come in. Here are the questions I have. And I might need to send that to you ahead of time, whatever those are. But the more the more you set up the terms of agreement for what works, the more collisions you avoid, and this is a much longer topic, but that's at a high level where I see people crisscrossing paths and making assumptions that are not bad if they are talking to themselves. Mm. You tend to do it the way you like it, and that isn't the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, that's great. Hey, if you guys are enjoying it so far, we just got to see it in the chat. We- if you're appreciating what Sue's been sharing with you so far, uh, if you haven't thought of a question yet, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Just what I thought here they come rolling in. Uh, We'd love to see if some we're appreciation. We're you for to sleep. Tell so us that chat. too. <laughs> we, can, we can end early if we need to, it's no problem. But, uh, but I do have a question that actually came in privately here. Sue, so, and, and you mentioned something uh, in that last segment there of, hard on issues, soft on people. Yep. And this word issues, you mentioned, they're not always negative, uh, but it's the kinds of things that we're having conversation about on a weekly basis as a part of a level 10 meeting. So what I, I'd love for you to talk about a little bit is, you know how do you see great companies, unlock the greatness in their companies by you know, determining what are the issues we need to be talking about? Um, and moving through that on a weekly basis, what's what's the process for that? You would recommend
1: <laughs> lots of practice and courage. Um, really, truly, the the biggest thing that most of us fear is someone not liking us, right? Like we get in and I go, oh, you know, Andrew's done so many things for me, and he's such a good guy, and. I can't bust him on this thing. So I let a few things slide. But when I like to think about leadership, every opportunity you engage with someone is you are teaching them how to treat you. So if you don't develop a mindfulness about your interactions and as a busy professional slow down and say, this isn't really the conversation I'd like to have with Andrew, but I'm going to be courageous. And if you're a more soft spoken person, you may have to say things up front like, Andrew, I'm really nervous about talking to you about this. Let me pause and say that up front because it's, I just need you to know that this is a scary thing for me to bring up, even if you don't think it's a big deal. That lets everyone on notice what's going on up here and I can relax just a little bit. And then I say the thing. And I tell people the biggest mistake we make when delivering critical feedback, when talking about hard things, when things aren't working well is we use way too many words. This is the the game changer to me. Is teams get great at this when I say to them and I say this all the time, you can ask my clients, you only have one sentence. Tell me what the issue is. Don't explain it. I don't want any examples. Don't give me a story. Tell me one sentence what's pissing you off, what's tough, what's difficult, what you wish was different, what's not working. One sentence. And there's a long pause because we want to persuade people and we want to dance around it and I want to say, oh, Andrew, I don't want you pissed off at me, instead of just going, Andrew, the way you did X made 14 things go wrong in my world and we have to fix it. Now, when you hear that, you can go, oh, I can change my behavior. And the reason I say be hard on issues and soft on people is If I don't make it personal, like you're a bad human that did that, or I don't infer that. Now, I'm not saying people can't still go there, so please don't bring that up. But if I say, these actions need to change, our process sucks, that's where people can go, oh, it's just a process. Maybe we need to detach a little bit from the way we've always done things, but you have to hit the nerve. It has to be painful. It has to be direct. It has to be simple, or we lose what you're asking for. And I can give you a thousand examples um, in the feedback domain specifically, because when you're uncomfortable, you tend to try and explain things away, and then you pack this little constructive thing in the middle, and you make people work too hard. Where I like to say, if you can just spit it out, people go, oh, and they have their feelings about it, but they know what they're dealing with. We, we are terrible at this. Most people did not have great examples in their parents, in their families of origin, at school, in the world at large. So we have to get better. And practicing in the room at a level 10 every week is your opportunity. And it is practice. And there's no shortcut that will get you there. But it's hard. It's hard stuff. You got to go to the tough stuff.
0: So a question I'll ask about issues that's a specific example and what kind of coaching you would provide. Not saying this has ever happened or that I have any personal experience with this, Sue. <laughs> uh, but let's just say hypothetically, notice in an L10 meeting that the same issue comes up, it, 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 it keeps reoccurring in one version or one definition or another. And you've just, you've noticed this and, you know, what would you recommend to somebody in in that kind of position or that they're noticing that.
1: So I'll give you two gems that 10 years experience doing EOS has given me, 80% and take this to the bank, 80% of your issues are either people or process. One of those you can control. It's not people. So with EOS, I always say my job as an implementer is to make you as flawless at five of six of those key components so that really if we aren't fixing things from those five lenses before we ever come to people, we're doing it wrong. But then by the time we get to people, it's either a wrong person or it's a training issue. It simplifies, that's why I say this simplifies, and it sounds oversimplified when I say it this way, but many um, management and leadership gurus have told us about fix the process, fix the process. I tell people always start there first. Recurring issues in a level 10 meeting, 100% of the time, and I speak in very few absolutes, are because you haven't hit the nerve. You are not at the root cause of the issue. You are solving superficial things. And I'll give you a very specific example. It's the most dramatic one that I've ever had, and I use it frequently. Engineering team. Now, if you guys know engineers, they like to think and they are natural complicators. God bless them. It's why our buildings mostly stand and we can go to the moon and things. But for in terms of having effective meetings, they use more words than less and they think, 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 overthink. So I had a team, it was for a two-day session. It was their annual session. They had 77 issues on their issues list. So day one, we don't deal with that. We just get more and more and more on the list, which is how they get there. Day two, oh we have to solve these so but it's with my help so i'm marinating on the issues in the morning i don't know what semiconductors do i i have i'm like the last person in the room to be speaking but i can ask really dumb questions so when i walk in i have studied their list and i say hmm operations is mentioned a lot on here in many versions from different processes and different things aren't working and whatnot. And I said, guys, because it's a five guy team, I just have one question before we start to prioritize, because we typically take them three at a time, and it was going to be a lot of work with 77. I said, before we start, I noticed operations runs a thread through a majority of these. And they took a deep breath, and there was a horrible pause, one of those ones you don't like. And I said, is there a problem with the leader, or are your processes this messed up? Because they're engineers, and process is a strong suit, let me tell you. So everybody gulped, and that pregnant pause happened. And when they got down to answering, no, the leader is really struggling. And I said, so you waited for, and I kid you not, 70 of 77 issues to show up that are going, please talk about that. Please put the person's name on here. Please stop them from suffering every day. And I said, you think you're being kind. I'm from Minnesota. We think this is nice because we like him he's a good guy. He's wonderful. I know none of you have ever done this. And I—I I, none of that's changed. He's still all of that. He sucks as a leader of your ops team. Do you have a better seat to utilize his highest and best use if he's that good a right person? And they went, oh my God. But it, it will feel like a demotion. So you have to unpack all of that. And I kid you not, We were done two hours early because 70 issues went away because then it became, we need a new person in that seat and this person's still gonna be with us, who knew? And his ego, yeah, it's gonna get bruised, but we gotta have the real conversation. I said, it's gonna be relief. What you have to get is no one comes to work every day to suffer, including you. When you're doing stuff that's not your highest and best use, which is why we talked about delegate and elevate, you suffer all day, every day. I don't want to do the bookkeeping. I would much rather write a check. How about you? Okay, then hire a bookkeeper. Yeah, you have to work a few more hours, but guess what? You'll have the hours to work because you're not laboring over QuickBooks when you hate it. And that's that's the mental game you have to sort out in this because too often we think we're smarter than the system. Mm-hmm. So I hope that helped.
0: I think that's great. That's useful. I, obviously, people can tell us in the chat if they thought that was pretty good and pretty useful to them as well. But, audi- audience of One Sue, so that was really great. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) they're all, they're all so stunned with the great stuff. They just haven't had time to type yet.
0: Incredible nuggets of wisdom. I'm seeing still stunned. I love it. Um,
1: sorry if that was personal for you, Michael, (laughs) we have a question in there, Andrew. Yes. Would you mind reading it and answering it? Yeah. Do you recommend these types of conversations be face-to-face verbal? Um, You're not going to like this. These are my stingy answers because you're asking some really good questions. So First one is yes, that's the short answer. Um, What I would tell you is in Level 10 and everything EOS, we're all about transparency. You know why? That's where the goodness is. When everyone knows they can help, but if they don't know, they can't help. And too often we think, you know, our revenue is private and this is private and that's private. Totally fine. You get to do it your way. I encourage it because the companies that I work with do better if it's transparent. Now the part that's stingy. Um, what I will tell you is if something happens in public or in an L10 or in a group with two people or more, you heal it in public. So counter to really good etiquette and advice that many people have been taught in communication, which is always do criticism in private, I think that's bullshit. Um what I would tell you is if it happens in public you have to heal it in public because and I just put people in this scenario if you have ever witnessed what I call an altercation two people not getting along and you were a sidecar you were watching you were a spectator it had an impact on you and Even if those two people go have lunch or a beer or coffee and they settle it and they come back and they go, it's all good, don't worry, Andrew and I aren't angry at each other anymore. Some better, higher, smarter part of you goes, really? I didn't see it happen. And then the very first sign of something being kind of funky, uncomfortable, not the way I'd like it, I am right down a path and it starts to to have me build a narrative about Andrew and about Sue, because I saw something happen. And it's one of the most dysfunctional things we do in our society, which is, oh, let's just take that offline and you and I do it. And I'm like, no, no, spare no one on this. You didn't care when you were being an ass, So why would you care when you're apologizing other than you have to eat humble pie? So I always tell people I'm very happy to apologize in public. I have done so many times because sometimes I'm that person. You know why? Because I'm breathing. If you are breathing, the likelihood of screwing up is quite high because another human being is going to intersect about every 10 minutes. So we have to get better at saying, when when we stub toes, when we bruise our knees, when we might even cause a black eye and we don't know it, We have to teach people how to do that and it actually creates safety and permission so that others can do the same and they actually have role modeling of great leadership quite honestly and you have to go first if you're the leader that's the other stingy part guess what you do it first um raymond asked a question sue when did you finally get it the light bulb went on and you wanted to do this and move forward I think, you know, my short answer, and it's not a pretty one, is I was in enough pain. Um, Some of us are motivated by the promise of, oh, you can run a better business and get more of what you want from it. Not for me. It was, you know what? My best has got me here, and I freaking need help. And um, that was, for me, the flipping of the switch.
0: I see Cam McCaw has a question here, Sue. Are you seeing that one in the chat?
1: Yeah. Um, is there a good practical starting spot for getting a small team, four people plus a virtual assistant, uh, lined on processes if we cannot wait for the months to do the vision and core value work properly? Yes. And I will tell you, start. There is no wrong way to begin good work. So if it gets refined, processes are never done, by the way. They are always a work in progress because you have to be in continual improvement. And I'll tell you the shorthand of, again, 10 years experience doing this is the simplest way to do it is the person who does the work writes the process. Then people who are familiar with it, you know, and in a five person team, that might be everyone and that's okay. Edits it, meaning simplify it. A process for us is one to four pages and there are no more than six to 12 in a company. So it's not a giant SOP manual. It's like the table of contents. And it's what's the activity and four or five bullets. And we're writing a book on this right now, and it's coming out like in a year. So just know that there will be more instruction. And then once you're done with that, the founder of the company, if that's you, you're the one who does it, or the person in charge is the final editor because founders always see what's not there, and that's how you write them. So start, get the rough draft going, because that's where it works the best.
0: Sue, that's great. We're going to keep them coming fast here as they're coming okay.
1: in. Alex, your has a awesome. question. Do you see it? Uh, yes. <laughs> how do you build trust with team members so they are comfortable having hard conversations with each other in a healthy way, so they can resolve the problem before it escalates? So that's how I justify my living. And I would tell you a great place to start is read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni and believe every word he says. Um, Read books like Radical Candor together and have dialogue, um, crucial conversations, difficult conversations, fierce conversations. All of those kinds of things are safe ways for you to break down a book and do it if you're not a book study kind of team listen to it, watch a podcast and have a dialogue. Because what you get at is what's stopping people from talking. And the last part of that is practice like a crazy person and demonstrate it. You as a leader have to go first in saying, I'm gonna be really vulnerable here. I screwed up, I said this to you, I did that thing over there, I don't know how to do this, I need your help. Those are the ways you come to the table vulnerably, and it lets people say, oh, you don't have all the answers, and you're not impervious to making mistakes. Oh, well, maybe I can do that too. And the last thing I'd tell you is the very first time someone screws up, greet them with, thank you. Or if they say, here's what's wrong in the company, instead of going, what? You have to beat that out of your system. You have to say, Thank you for bringing that up. We have been working so hard to talk about what's not working. Thank you for doing the courageous best thing for the company. And you keep putting it on what's best for the company, but you really, really have to practice. Most of us are terrible.
0: That's awesome. And... so I'll just make a, a recommendation to anyone else who has a similar question. Dr. Jackie Stavros and Sherry Torres, they wrote a book called Conversations Worth Having. It's something they teach in these kinds of scenarios is you name it, right? So you have that courage to identify what's going on. You flip it and frame it. And you talk about what is the positive opposite of what's going on and how do we constructively create it? If all someone is doing is reporting a problem, uh, then, hey, Thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. I love, Sue, how you talked about that, and tied it to the purpose that people share, which is to make this business better together and then find a way towards a constructive conversation and frame of working through it. Uh, There's a great podcast episode you can check out, so we won't take time to go too deep into it here. Somebody asked a question here, I see, Sue, of some resources that you referenced during this event, like the Delegate and Elevate and other tools online where would be the best place for people to go find resources like this and and maybe some that you didn't even have a chance to mention
1: so two different websites that i would jot down and we'll send this out to you as well one is eosworldwide.com everything eos is tremendously open source so there's downloadable free tools up the wazoo very abundance-minded very aligned with you andrew with front row dads with exchange like they give it away because the more businesses that work better the more healthy families and people we have etc etc so that's one place another one is at our website, we have beyond that. And we have two different places you can go. Go to sayyes.com, S-A-Y-Y-E-S-S, as in sam.com, or yes.learnworlds.com. And there's, again, an abundance of free tools well beyond EOS.
0: That's awesome. Sue, I'm gonna give you the last word uh, before we leave here today. If there's anything else you'd like to say take a take a moment to express before we're done here today
1: i just want to say thank you for having me first of all this works because people like you care enough to help others and there's a great um quote that i love that in chinese the word business means help each other make a meaningful living and for me, that's what guides business. So I just want to leave you guys with that. I believe EOS helps that. And whether you ever do it or don't do it, if there were things that were useful, spread the word and you know help yourselves to everything that can make you better. Thanks for having me.
0: Sue Hawks, everybody. That's a wrap for today. Sue, thank you so much again. Deep, deep gratitude. Much appreciated.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. That's all for
0: this episode of The Triple Win. Thanks go out to Carol Housel and Jeff Tucker for everything they do to put these episodes together. And we want to remind everyone that you can find more resources, upcoming events, a link to our private Facebook group where the conversation continues in between these episodes with other professional property managers. All of that you can find at rbp.secondnature.com. Again, that's rbp.secondnature.com. And until next time, keep transforming what it means to be in professional property management by finding and applying your next triple win. We want it to be true that every time we see you, we see a better version of you and your business. With that, cheers.